Hi, and welcome to another episode of Gomology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. My guest today is Holly Swinyard, and um, I think I'd like to, you to introduce yourself. Holly. Hi, uh, my name is Holly, and I am a uh, writer, sometime journalist, sometime podcaster. Um, I r- write and, well, I'm the editor-in-chief of a magazine called The Cosplay Journal, which is a magazine all about costume, cosplay, and everything that can come under that very exciting umbrella. Um, and uh, we also now run a podcast about the history of pop culture that runs alongside it called Cos Story. Um, and, you know, I write books, I write things for magazines and newspapers and Radio 4 sometimes. And yeah, I do stuff. I talk about stuff. <laughs> and I imagine pretty much all my listeners are now wondering hang on a bit. Uh, cosplay what's all this about then what is cosplay um so cosplay is a uh, subculture slash hobby slash strange lifestyle thing that started in about 1939 so if anybody is like that nerdy and care um but essentially what it is is costume plus play cosplay and it's something that you'll have seen at comic-con if you go the people dressed up as superheroes or disney princesses or anime characters and all that sort of stuff um or you might have seen on tv if you watch things like the big bang theory or community um but essentially it is dressing up as your favorite characters from fiction and sometimes not fiction like people dress up as pop stars or drag queens i've even seen people cosplay as politicians to make fun of them very satirically um, one of my favourite costumes I ever saw was somebody walking around dressed as David Cameron holding a pig, um, which was great. Um, so yeah, that's cosplay is sort of a a way of expressing yourself through costume in whatever way you fancy that to be, really. So it's a hobby thing. It's not a, a daily thing. Um, yeah, I would say so. I think that. I would call it a lifestyle and a subculture because as much as people probably don't walk around every day in cosplay, there may be some people who do, but it is in every aspect of your life. Like people definitely have it that they'll be like, yeah, there are things from my costumes that are just in my wardrobe now. I just wear because they're cool and I like them or they'll do. I don't know if you've heard of a thing called Disney bounding. Um, which is when you're not allowed to wear costumes inside the Disney parks or like the Universal parks and things like that. And so people started creating outfits that looked like character outfits that weren't costumes and weren't cosplay. And so a lot of people do that now just on the daily. Like not just with Disney stuff either, but with any character, like they might be like, this is my outfit inspired by Batman. And that will be cool. Um, and so it's definitely become a, a bigger subculture that it, it has been. It's definitely gone beyond just, I have made a costume and I've put it on to go to Comic-Con this weekend. Like, there's so much more to it. Maybe in, like, the last five years, it's just completely changed, which is great. I love it. It's changed in a really good upward trajectory. Now, I think I first came across you, well, quite a number of years ago, uh, when you were writing for Chap Magazine, now, yeah, Chap Magazine is sort of uh, the quintessential, um, is it sort of gentleman's tweedy nerd uh, vintage 
um, well, I don't know how to describe it really, um, quite humorous at times. Yeah. I The chap is, um, like, I mean, I came to the chap through the people like Mr. B and Professor Elemental and stuff. So I came from like the chap hop satirical side of it, definitely. Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's called a narco-dandyism. So it's basically like this reclamation of uh, these fashion types that people kind of associate with a certain type of uh, maybe maybe not so great person. I don't know. Um, or at least sort of a 1930s, 1940s sort of posh boy vibe. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. describe it. Um, and has then kind of been taken and made into a slightly anarchic, strange thing. And it's great. I really enjoy it. Um, but the magazine itself is is very much that kind of route where they try and talk a bit about the fashion, a bit about politics, a bit about just fun stuff. Um, yeah. I think it was definitely the fun stuff that worked the best. Oh, definitely. Or, yeah. or, or works the best. The book they did was was great. It's um, I have the book. It's somewhere. Um I don't know where it is. <laughs> is that my office? Like, is it here? Might be. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. I think the best bits went into that book. Um, and especially, I don't know if you had the one that they did back in like 2000, that was like the original sort of chap rule book. The um, Am I Chap book or? No, it? it was like, I think it was like the rules of chap or something like that. Um, okay. It was when the, it was when it like they first started like one of the first things they did. Uh, and that's really very funny. It kind of reminds me of sort of P.G. Woodhouse kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I would put it in that kind of satirical box. <laughs> right. What, what were the articles you were writing in, Chap? Uh, so I was writing predominantly, like I think the first article I wrote for them was about uh, gender representation through fashion and how things like alternative fashion, like any alternative fashion, can allow a huge amount of exploration through um, gender and ideas and what constitutes our perception of gender, especially if you're looking at any kind of historical or vintage fashion because things have changed so much. Um, and even though if you look at something like CHAP, which is obviously based in these, I would say, like 1910 through to 1950s, roughly, kind of, clothing periods where there is a huge gender divide through things it kind of this new wave version of it sort of has kind of gone no but we don't we don't like that so much like you know there are people who want to retain the the more kind of traditional elements of it but you know not entirely there's a lot more of uh people doing the whole switching it up adding different patterns adding new exciting colors and flavors and all this sort of stuff and just by its very nature it rejects the idea of being um the standard you know if you're walking around dressed in a top hat and tails on the normal you aren't you you know you're not giving into the the toxic masculinity ideas or whatever of what everyone else is wearing it's uh, and that was in inverted commas and you can't see that just doing air quotes um <laughs> So it, it's really interesting. And that's the first thing I wrote. And then uh, people seem to like that. So I did some more. Uh, and then I talked a bit about like how uh, vintage and historical fashion influenced Star Wars, particularly, and other sci-fi films. 
and the place of uh, chap culture in pop culture as a whole, like through the 20th century to now, and how basically our entire pop culture has these very fixed ideas that are very much to do with uh, the 1920s and 1930s. I mean, you're the hard-boiled noir detective. Uh, I mean, Batman is a perfect example. Batman is entirely trapped in the 1930s for no reason. <laughs> it just is. It just seems to be trapped in the 1930s. It's very strange. Um, and yeah, and then I kind of talked about video games a lot, particularly things like Bioshock and um, uh, Call of Cthulhu and HP Lovecraft and, and things like that. And I, I think my plan was to try and drag these people into the 21st century sort of kicking and screaming and be like, no, you will acknowledge that this exists outside of your little bubble. Come on. We don't all need to je- read Jeeves and Worcester and Raffles to be chap. We can be playing video games and watching sci-fi films and all that kind of stuff. And it, it still counts. Um, so, yeah. Sounds like you were expanding the boundaries of chat quite dramatically. Uh, I get the impression that most of the people who at least write in are most of all worried about whether their moustache is sufficiently chap. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I ever really thought about that. I kind of like, I don't, I would say I don't dress like that on the day to day. I definitely don't. I tend to, I mean, I pretty much always wear vintage clothing but I tend to top and change what I'm doing all the time like I said before we start recording I think right now I look like I should be on the set of Stranger Things um it's but how to describe it I think chap is more of a I think it's more of a kind of an aesthetic mindset that is like but I like these things but do I have to do it every day can I include it into my world in a way that works for my lifestyle and my way of being without necessarily having to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on looking a very particular way on the daily basis. But, and I mean, that's what some people want to do. Absolutely fine. And that's perfect. I'm very impressed by people who do like vintage lifestyle stuff. But I think it depends a lot how seriously you take chat, because I get the impression that there is a, a certain group that maybe take it very seriously. Uh, for my own part, I think, I love the humour and I love the dressing up, but um, it's not real. Yeah. I mean, I think it feels, and I'll probably get slaughtered for this, I I think it feels a bit like a, a form of historical reenactment. And that isn't to say that it isn't absolutely dress and be however you want. That's totally your choice. But there's a big thing going around at the moment. It's like vintage vintage style not vintage values and that is something that I'm really glad is being a massive part of chap and vintage fashion at the moment because there there were moments where I was like okay this is all cool and we're sort of doing this but I really don't want to go back to the 1920s I think that would be terrible (laughs) absolutely for so many reasons terrible um so I think there's that definitely that element to it but it, again, it's take it as seriously or as not seriously you want, and everyone can do it in their own way and have a nice time. And as long as that's, yeah, as long as you're having a nice time, do however you want. You know, don't don't police other people for the way they do it. That's chill. <laughs> now, I, I suspect you might have sort of um, upset the apple cart a little bit because whilst you were writing for Chap and um, involved in it, you are a girl and you were dressing up as a boy, which must have been a bit sort of weird for the for the chap lads i mean i so i'm non-binary 
that's my gender. So I am uh, assigned female at birth. So yes, I guess I am a girl, socialised a girl in that respect. Um, and But I'm incredibly androgynous and obviously my gender identity is uh, outside of the binary thing. And I think explaining that to people, <laughs> particularly this particular area of people, was really funny. Um, like the the amount of times where I'd literally just have to go I don't know if you've watched The Good Place, but like when Janet's like not a girl, uh like, yeah, not a girl. This this is fine. This is, hmm. Um and I don't I ne I've never actually worked out how it was perceived because there was certain elements loved it, absolutely loved it. And I've got very good friends who I'm still very like, you know, genuinely good friends with, um, who were super into it. And then a lot of confusion, I think, because I didn't fit the, but this is what we know vintage girls look like aesthetic. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I maybe, maybe I did. I hope I did. I hope I put some ideas in their head about what out the outside. There are other things. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, let's do some other stuff. Let's talk about other things and appearances and stuff. Let's go. Who knows? <laughs> At the end of the day, it's down to what it's really about, dressing up and having fun. And um, I don't see the the sort of huge divide between dressing up as a 1930s uh, guy or going the other way. Um, and this is really why I wanted to talk to you today about the sort of intersect between cosplay and how we actually dress up in our daily lives. Uh, I know for my own part that now that I'm mainly <laughs> sitting at home, I tend not to dress up at all. But if I'm going to town on the Saturday, um, I will make a special effort. And what with Instagram and all this, taking photos all the time. I mean, most of us are, for a large part, dressing up. Yeah, I think that. So I have uh, been talking with, um, I'm going to call her pop culture historian, anime historian. Anyway, um, Helen McCarthy, who is an excellent human being, and we were talking when I was writing my book about cosplay um, about this idea of the dressing up and like what it is. And she made a very valid and excellent point about the fact that this is something humans have been doing since humans were humans. Like you think about sort of the uh, ancient rituals of putting on a mask of an animal and you know, a cloak or a skin or something to imbue yourself with their essence, their power, whatever. Um, that is the same thing as putting on the clothes that make you feel good about yourself so that you are your best self going out there. You put on an outfit, whether it's a, a physical costume, like I'm going to be Captain America today, or it's the clothes that make you feel the best about yourself and the way you want to present yourself to the world. And what you're doing is using those clothes, those garments to essentially create a version of yourself that is what you want to be. And that's literally what people have been doing forever. Um, and again, especially with people who don't particularly dress inside what is the current fashion, I think there is an element of uh, control and power within that to be like no I'm not I'm not 
this is me, this is who I am. And it's it's an incredibly brave thing to do, but it's also incredibly like uh a show of strength, I guess, almost. And not in a like I don't mean that in a like a physical way. I mean in a like, I'm gonna be me and I don't care. You know, I think it, that's what it is. It's going, these clothes make me feel good and they make me feel powerful and so I'm gonna wear them. I think it's cool. <laughs> so cool. Well, I mean there are very varying degrees of um of how much people do dress up. Uh, I mean, at the most basic level, you'll have people wearing band T-shirts just to show their allegiance to a certain style of music, which to my mind is also dressing up because you are signaling some who you are. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely like, if you see someone wearing a sports jersey, you know instantly, A, they are, what sport they like and what team they support, and people will make a certain judgment about that. And you are giving that judgment you know you're wearing a nirvana t-shirt i know that you like nirvana you like a certain type of music i i know that thing about you um and i think it's it's really interesting when you kind of start analyzing it and i really don't want to start analyzing it too much because i'm i'm not that person but um if you kind of see someone walking down the street and be like oh cool they're dressed in this way you make an automatic assumption because we do you know, that assumption may not be right or wrong, but it's what's being presented to you by how that person dresses. And I think that's fascinating as like a human thing. Like, wow, you've dressed like that. That's why did you decide to do that? What tribe is your allegiance to? All that kind of stuff. It's weird and fascinating and just such a, uh, I think there's probably people who actually have done like full theses and stuff on it. I'm sure there is uh, people's dressing up and all that kind of thing. But yeah. Have I gone off on a massive tangent? I feel like I have. <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> do, do you think we're more open to accepting the styles of people when their styles are more like our own? I'm sort of thinking for the using myself as an example, if I go to town on a Saturday with my full tweed and a hat on and so forth, I think a lot of people will look at me and say, what is he up to? <laughs> Um, I, I think there is a certain amount, like I said, this idea of your tribe, like you're looking for your people kind of thing and the clothes you wear signify that. So if you're a goth and you see somebody else dressed in like goth or emo or scene or any of those sorts of stuff, you're more likely to know that that person has certain things in common with you um, than if someone's dressed in trackies and a t-shirt. That may be entirely incorrect. It may be that actually you have a lot more in common with the person who's dressed in trackies and a t-shirt but you're kind of looking for the people who are signaling to you with their clothing. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, a bit of, I think there is an element of that to it. Um, I don't know. I always find myself drawn. I'm always a bit more drawn to people who are a bit like, oh, that person looks awesome. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't dress like that, but wow, look at you, you go. <laughs> like I'm, I, I'm that person, but you know, I think it, it, it does signal a level of self-confidence if you're going out and looking completely different from everyone else, especially if you're in a s small town or or somewhere where, where it's not natural or yeah. not usual. Uh, okay. I mean, if you're wandering around in London, I suppose you could pretty much be a lot more different. I mean, I think definitely like, so I moved from, I used to live in Bath, Bristol area, um, and then I moved back to my hometown so that 
I could uh, pursue my dreams. Um, and I know that when I moved back, my fashion style changed. Uh, not changed. I suppose I just toned it down um, because uh, <laughs> everybody here knows each other. And or at least they know my family to a greater extent. They would, and so I think there was a certain amount of, oh, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that weird person. I've only just moved back, and I, I'm not, not here for that. I want to kind of fly under the radar for a little bit. Um, I would say that's not true anymore. <laughs> um, now I don't care. But um, it it was an interesting thing that like subconsciously, and I don't think it was a conscious thing that I did. I changed how I dressed as opposed to when I was living in a city when the people who knew me knew me as myself and who I was and all of those things about me and didn't care. And nobody else knew who I was, so it didn't matter. So it's like, okay, this is fine, you know? Um, so I think that is true. I think it is very true. Maybe if you are if you are living somewhere like a small town or, you know, a more a smaller community i guess you're probably more likely to conform a little bit at least for a certain period of time until you gain your self confidence in how you want to appear or you don't you know it's some people and again it's not a bad thing i don't think it this isn't like a oh if you dress the same as everyone else that's you're conforming that's bad no you may it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it like some people just want to express themselves differently um, and it is a very difficult thing and a brave thing to do to be like, I'm going to be the weird goth kid in the tiny town, you know, <laughs> the small English town or whatever. Um, yeah. Again, I think, did I tangent? I feel like I'm tangenting all over the place. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, I think if I had a massive amount of self-confidence, I'd like to go steampunk. I love it. I love now, steampunk. What is the idea behind steampunk? So this is quite interesting because actually the next volume of the magazine is our steampunk special. So I have been doing quite a lot of reading about it recently. Um, and so steampunk is essentially Victorian futurism. So if you look at futurism from, I think, the 1940s, the 1950s, which was this idea of what the future would be if you kept those aesthetics. So that's things like Metropolis and stuff like that. Um, Victorian futurism is essentially the same premise, but placed onto the Victorian aesthetic. Um, and it's fascinating because it means everything's steam powered, hence steampunk. Um, and everything's a bit bonkers, flying airships and uh, big mechanical arms powered through steam mechanisms, and all this sort of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good example that people could look at to kind of get steampunk and my brain has gone completely blank as of course it does i mean i would say that things like bioshock particularly bioshock infinite is steampunk um at its sort of core but yeah it's definitely it's kind of mechanism and this idea if like uh there are loads of artists who use it uh hair doctor is definitely one like if you're looking at steampunk that's where to go and obviously professor elemental is steampunk as well so, like, that's kind of the core of it is this uh, Victorian Edwardian fantasy version of uh, science fiction. I often look at photos and I think, 
that um, they could have been a little more creative because it seems to be a lot about top hats and a certain style of goggles or spectacles. Yeah, I think there's a lack of this. Okay, this is uh, a generalization. There is a little bit of a it's become popular and so people are getting involved with it in a sort of shallow way. Like they're interested in it but it's not they're not going to go all out and design these massive pieces and so there's sort of a like in any kind of subculture there are levels to what people are doing so there's the people kind of who are like oh this is cool I'll do it on a saturday again there's absolutely no, nothing wrong with this who maybe just buy pieces off the internet collect things they're not going to spend a huge amount of money they've got a decent wardrobe um and that's cool and they're having a great time with it but they're not going all out on the designs and then you have the people right at the other end who are like like it's it's their lives and they don't do anything else and that again is awesome and they create amazing puppets and all this kind of stuff so i think it's to do with something becoming more popular that it will just be there'll be more people who are more towards the i just want to do this on the weekend and have a nice time kind of vibe than the and hopefully they'll like trickle through and like become more and more interested in the design elements of it but could it also be a could it also be a case of following the sort of official rule book in the way that the chap followers follow the chap rules and then you have the steampunk rule book? I, or... I don't think I've ever seen like an actual rule book for steampunk. Um, one of my favorite creators who I am trying to find on Instagram, but my brain cannot remember what her username is right now. She is um, African-American and she has done what she calls African steampunk. And it's incredible. Like it is out of this world, incredible. So if you think about like the aesthetics of the film Black Panther and things like that, so really high energy African aesthetic with a futuristic sci-fi element thrown on top of it and then make all of that steampunk, that's what she's doing and it's brilliant. There are people out there doing hijabi steampunk. There are people out there doing Desi, uh, so like Bollywood style steampunk. there is so much variation, but uh, I think there is a level of, I want to just get involved in this now, <laughs> and so I'm going to follow the perceived rules of what that is, even though there aren't actually rules. It just takes, again, it takes a little bit more thought to be like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to create a vibe that fits me? Because what you're really saying here is that there's a big difference between going on eBay and uh, searching out uh, uh, steampunk kit uh, including top hat and actually getting down and designing and making your own kit yeah and i wouldn't say that one is better than the other i think it really depends on you as a person and what you want to do if if that's what you want to do that's brilliant cool get involved do something cool do something creative um and but there'll be other people who literally are like i want to make everything from scratch and i want to design it all and i want to do that and that's what fuels them that's what and it's the same with cosplay um and neither is better or worse or anything i think like there's this idea that oh if you're not doing it this way you're not doing it right is uh, redundant essentially um but yeah there is i think there is sort of a you can do steampunk or cosplay or larp or whatever with just the the sort of basic kit i guess in inverted commas sort of you know level 1 maybe and then you can also do it at a sort of a level that is completely different. I, the best way I find to explain it is the difference between people who do 
and go and have a kickabout in the park with their mates on a Saturday and the people who are playing football professionally like that's the difference you wouldn't ever say that they're different you know you'd be like cool you're go you doing your hobby on a Saturday that's awesome great um these people are doing something completely different to you <laughs> you know but it's still the same thing does that make sense um like they're not better or worse than each other just they're different levels of the same thing um i was thinking about the guy who um makes his own kit and makes his own football and then goes to the park to buy the the original rules (laughs) i am absolutely sure that person exists oh i'm trying to find this uh, user so you can look them up but um my brain is like completely is what it is in it um I follow too many people on Instagram. Too many cool people in the world. Um, yeah, I think that there isn't like so one of the things I kind of like telling people is that there is sort of essentially an Olympic Games for cosplay. And people are like, what? Really? I'm like, yeah. So there is a level of cosplay that is so uh, like massively international and com- massive international competitions that is completely different to the people and the elements of cosplay that are, I'm going to go to a convention or a renaissance fair or whatever on the weekend and I'm going to wear my favourite character and I'm going to have a great time with my mates. And then you'll have the people who spent two years building the most ridiculous costumes to compete at international level against the same types of people in other countries. It's awesome. So how do they compete? So normally, so the way it works is you will have in each country, you will have a number of rounds. So either it could just be one sort of preliminary round or it could be that you have, uh, depending on the competition, you have regional finals within the country, like regional uh, preliminary finals. Then you have a national final. That national final will then find the person who is going to go to the international competition. So that whoever wins the national one. So you'll basically get levels of competition to get through to the uh the international final within each country they then become the ambassador for that country uh for the sort of the year i guess um and then when they get there they'll have to do different levels of competition so there'll be like a little interview section uh so i'm the one i'm particularly talking about is the world cosplay summit well, yes world cosplay summit sorry <laughs> um and so there's like different things and they'll have to do photos and presentations and all this sort of stuff and then there will be a competition to I think yes it's changed a little bit and I think it's that there's a preliminary round with everybody who made it to the finals and then like the final final with like 10 people who make it round like 10 groups that make it round through that and they'll have to do a performance skit so like they'll have to make props and sets and do lighting and sound editing and all that sort of stuff to create a performance which will they will then all be judged on every element of it not just the costumes but the every element of the costume they've made every element of the set and the props they've made the sound editing all of that like the way the skit comes across the audience reaction and it's crazy Uh, and there are lots of different competitions of the international level but they all relatively work along the same lines um some may have less rounds, some may have more rounds kind of thing, but it, it essentially works like that. Um, I would absolutely encourage people to look up the World Cosplay Summit stuff because, my goodness, 
it is on a different level. <laughs> it is. What sort of characters are they in cosplaying in that? So, oh, I've seen everything from like um, Street Fighter, Tekken type things to Sailor Moon. And uh, the best one I think I ever saw was somebody who did Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean and Davy Jones. And they built a big, a full ship. They built a ship that took up most of the stage and it like transformed into a Kraken. It was amazing like oh my god like i've never seen like literally i was watching this and being like what what uh but then you know you'll have people who do like game of thrones who'll build game of pieces from the game of thrones set as well as the costume and yeah it's a like it's a whole thing like anything you can kind of think of in media the likelihood is somebody's done a competition costume to do with it but it will be very it will be costumes that involve multiple skills so sewing armor work props work SFX, wig work. Um, some people make shoes. They might make their own hat. You know, they might have done leather work for it. They might have built like a full sort of foam board set piece. Um, like it's crazy. <laughs> like it's honestly like wow. Um, the level to which people go to, just amazing. It certainly puts most other hobbies to shame. I mean, <laughs> I do think that sometimes when people are like, oh, cosplay, it's so childish. I'm like. Say what now? Really? Really? Have you we seen what people do? It does uh, does depend, sort of. I guess what uh, what sort of level of and type of cosplay. I mean, if if, if you're David Cameron and a pig, that's one thing. But yeah. Jack Sparrow and his ship is something entirely different. Exactly. I mean, that's what I mean. It's the same with things like steampunk. That you will have the people who want to do one thing. They have a nice time. Lovely. Wonderful. And then you have the other people who are like, how long did you spend making this? And they'll be like, 500 hours. And you're like, okie dokie then. You okay? Do you need chocolate? You're right. Good. Okay, we'll leave you to it. Um, and I have definitely been both of those things at one point or another. And that's fine. You can. I think this is a thing people don't necessarily understand about any of these um, hobby subculture things. Is that you can do all of it you don't have to be one or other of the groups. You can literally be like, this weekend, I'm literally just going to, I'm too tired. I'm just going to put on that costume that I bought last year, that character I really liked, say, I wanted to be Black Widow, and I'm just going to dress as her. It's not a complicated thing. I can buy the costume off eBay or one of a shop. Then There are literally shops that sell them. And I'm going to go to the convention in that costume because I just want to have fun with my mates. Uh, while at the same time building a costume that you know you've already spent a good two, three hundred hours on and you know it's not finished yet and you will one day finish it. Um, And you can be both of those things at the same time and everything in between. So I think trying to classify any of these hobbies as being one way or another is slightly pointless, slightly silly. So out of your many, many uh, cosplay characters, which are your favourites? Oh, God. Oh, that's like trying to pick my favourite child. Because um, you do have quite a few. And I, I imagine do. you have a massive cupboard or room full of costumes. I do. I have a big wardrobe full of costumes. I mean, a lot of them have gone. So there will be ones that go to new homes. Once I'm like, I don't want to cosplay this anymore or get recycled into other costumes. Like I've definitely had costumes which I've worn once, didn't like, and then like remade them into something else. Um, And, but oh gosh, Uh, I mean, right now 
Uh, right now, my favourite is probably Moise von Litvig, which is my ridiculous golden suit from Terry Pratchett's Discworld. Uh, that one's my favourite. I designed that entirely myself. The whole costume is a mix of period accurate designs and me taking liberties because it's a fantasy world and so I can do what I want. But um, taking using as many like different interesting historical techniques as I could and I could learn as I was going along. Like. I would never claim myself to be a historical tailor at all. Like, my goodness, I am but an amateur. But it's fun to try. You know, I enjoyed uh, learning the techniques. Um, but then I also have, like, this... Is, I tend to cosplay weirdly obscure characters or co characters people like, really, you cosplayed that? Because um, right now I'm really enjoying cosplaying from Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Tales of Arcadia, which is on Netflix. Uh, and is great essentially you know del toro horror stuff he made a kid mm -hmm. series like a, a a fantasy series for kids and it's brilliant because it's just weird <laughs> it's so weird uh and i'm currently cosplaying as uh Duxy, who is a 900 year old wizard who looks like a 19 year old boy uh at the moment and he is really good fun and that costume is by no means finished but i don't care I'm just having a nice time wearing it for things. Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying that. I mean, I love Tintin. Uh, Tintin will be always one of my favourites. He comes and goes as to whether I wear him or not, because it's a bit tricky to get the hair right, shockingly. Um, because I use my own hair for that, and it's having your hair, hair sprayed up like that all day is so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable um but it's a great fun um and hux general hux from star wars because it's really fun being a bad guy sometimes just so much fun ridiculously good fun being a bad guy and that's actually how i met my other half uh sad isn't it they were dressed as kylo ren i was dressed as general hux our eyes met across a convention very sad <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that sounds pretty good yeah. um, and it's completely so, true <laughs> so the force was strong absolutely uh, yeah I have seen a few of the characters you mentioned on your on your Instagram um, it strikes me that Terry Pratchett and his world must be ripe with inspiration oh, weirdly there's not that much cosplay from Discworld and I think that's because up until very recently two factors one cosplayers weren't really cosplaying from books and if they were it was sort of ya stuff uh and now ya cosplay has become incredibly popular like hugely popular um and so other people are cosplaying from other books um and secondly that the Discworld fandom is quite closed uh not in a bad way they just kind of keep themselves to themselves um and so you don't like they have their own conventions, all this sort of stuff. And I think some of that's to do with the fact that Terry was so involved with the fandom right up until his death, really. Um, and so they kind of had their own little gang, Terry's gang kind of thing, which is really cute um, and are very different to other fandoms. So The you word kind of... you use there, fandom, can you explain that? Oh, right. So fandom is, uh, ooh, okay, Two ways of using fandom. Fandom as a general umbrella term to mean anyone who is a fan of pop culture. This come this goes right back to sort of again the 1930s and sort of the original fans and when they started creating it. And it's sort of I guess again it's a conglomerate words like fan and like 
and a kingdom, you know, kind of it's fandom. It's a place for being a fan. Uh, and then within that, you'll have the fans of particular things and they will be their own fandom. So it's like, um, I know you like Star Wars. You'll be in the Star Wars fandom. If you like, now I can't think of any good examples because my brain went to Steven Universe or things, but Steven Universe, that will be its own fandom. And you'll kind of interact with people who like it. And lots of people cross over. Some people don't. Like a lot of Star Wars people are very Star Wars. I like Star Wars. And I like these other things, but mostly it's Star Wars. Um, and there are other people like me who are a bit more like, I'll chop and change all the time. Um, apart from Discworld, which I <laughs> don't seem to be able to get rid of that one. Not that I want to, but that one's like 10 years and 10 years strong now. <laughs> Discworld just keeps going. Um well, they are immensely good books. I'm just looking over at my bookshelf now where the, the comp complete collection is lined up. I have. I was thinking about this, and I think I have never cosplayed as multiple characters from the same franchise apart. Yeah, Star Wars is the only one I would say that I've done that for because I cosplay as BB-8 as well, <laughs> of all things, BB-8. Um, Which is a small, round robot. He is a small, round robot, but I made it into a, a small, round human uh and um yeah but i have 10 no eight discworld costumes because it's so versatile there is so wow. much you can do and it's just so much fun like it does there isn't just one type of look there isn't just one type of character and there's something like 40 books and that's not including like short stories and stuff so even if like a character appears in one book as a main character, the likelihood is they'll appear as a side character or as a background character in one of the others. And so you'll get more information about them. So like my favorite Discworld character is William DeWord for obvious reasons. Um, I'm a writer. I like, I, I feel his pain. Um, and he only has one book where he's a lead, but he turns up all the time in other books. Um, and that amuses me and I love him. Uh, so yeah I think that's really cool and there's so much and because they're books there really isn't a set way these characters look either so you can do what you want with them like if you know yeah there are certain descriptions normally of what people are wearing so obviously uh, Moise van Litvig is wearing he is famously known for wearing a gold suit and a winged hat um, and there's one little piece of description in the book that stuck with me which is talking about the suit and how it's made of cloth of gold. No, it's made of what actors use instead of cloth of gold. And that piece of description just tells you so much about, if you know fabric, about what that suit actually looks like, because it's meant to look beautiful and amazing and expensive, but it's the cheap way of doing it, which is so perfect for the character who is essentially a con man who is uh, i would say made good but forced forced to be good he doesn't want to um actively forced to be a nice person and so it's perfect this idea of like the shiny outward exterior but actually it's really cheap um and i love that description and terry's books are full of pieces of description like that which is why how the hell we got the current watch series that's being made i don't know did they not read the books? I don't know. I don't Is know. there one being made now? Yeah, the trailer came out and they made it cyberpunk and nobody knows what's really going on. Oh, because I rather enjoyed the, the previous um, yeah. um, 
visualizations. I really enjoyed them as well. I mean, I guess that they weren't perfect for everybody, but I thought they were pretty good. Um, I particularly like the Hogfather. I thought that was excellent. Um, And yeah, no, they're doing another one, but it's not Sky, it's BBC America, a completely different team. And they seem to have basically just lifted the names and nothing else to do with it is Discworld. It literally just seems to be the character names because I watched the trailer and I was like, I I don't recognise any, like, it's not even just it looks different. Like, they feel like different people. And it's really strange. <laughs> Sam Vimes wearing eyeliner is possibly, like, something I never thought I would see and I definitely didn't want to. Like, cool, eyeliner looks great on everyone except Sam Vimes. Clearly not this man. <laughs> what? Why? No, he, he's a man's man. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you know, he's, he just, uh, he just wouldn't, like, I don't think he'd have a problem with anyone else doing it. I think he just, it's not for him, you know, like, it was really strange. I just don't get it. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so sort of looping back to the the whole idea of cosplay is, is the dressing up, creating the costume, sort of the, the entirety of it, or is there a reenactment play aspect so there is this is okay so cosplay doesn't have in the same way as like maybe historical reenactment or larp which is live action role play uh it doesn't have the same um reenactment rules within it if that makes sense like you don't go and like so larp you go and physically exist in the space and you play a game and there are rules and you get you can be killed in inverted commas and all that sort of stuff uh depending on the type of larp you're doing um but there are sort of rules to how you do the reenactment the same with uh, any historical reenactment you're there to be the character or i suppose historical person you're being um a uh, cosplay has like i think the term play is actually much more suitable because you're playing it's a role play essentially um some people will stay in character all day if they'll be their character from the moment they put that costume on to the moment they get out of it at the end of the day. And that will be for interacting with kids who see their favorite superhero or just because they really like acting. Uh, A lot of people who cosplay characters like Deadpool and the Joker tend to be very big characters. They tend to be wanting to be those characters for the whole day, which is great fun for some people. Less fun if you're having a, a sandwich break and someone comes and does joker impressions in your face true story um (laughs) like i'm tired go away um but then the play element i think often refers to the competitions and the masquerades where people will be on stage performing in the characters like and photo shoots and video shoots and stuff where you are being the character for the moment you're in the either on camera or on stage and then you drop character so a bit more like acting um rather than the reenactment element which is like you are in character from the moment you put your costume on to the moment you take it off and drive home you know um does that make sense i feel like <laughs> yeah because it does i'm just sort of wondering now whether people who dress up like this or cosplay are they do they become more extrovert when they have costumed up oh absolutely so i can tell you from personal experience i started cosplaying when i was 15 
Uh, I'd done like dressing up stuff before then, didn't know it was cosplay, but like my first actual event where I dressed up and went to was a small, uh, I guess like mini book fair thing that was being held in my, the next town over's Waterstones because they had a really big Waterstones and it was arranged by one of the big manga and anime producers in the UK at the time. This is 13 years ago. Uh, and I went to that in a kind of, oh, I've made a costume sort of thing. And I was so shy. Like, I was just a really shy, awkward teenager. Uh, turns out just autistic. Who knew? Um, but yeah, so uh, I went along to this event and like, there were so many people there in costume and I suddenly felt in my element and I suddenly felt by putting this costume on, I was like, oh my God, like I can talk to people and I don't feel shy anymore and it is fine. And so, you know, I made some friends, I made some friends at that event and literally they were like, we're going to the big London Comic Con in two weeks, you should come with us. And my parents were like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Go with these people you've just met to London. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I think they actually knew one of their parents. I think it was actually, but at the time I was like, oh cool, my parents are being super nice. Um, but yeah, and I went, I literally, within like the two week span, made a costume, like so quickly, just made something. Uh, I think it was from Final Fantasy X. Yes. Um, and so I went along in this. It wasn't very good. It was just, you know, da da da. And I felt so like I could do anything. Like everything was amazing. And I suddenly in my like day-to-day -day life the more I cosplayed the more I felt confident in being myself and I'd really like discovered who I could be and like how I could express myself and it took a while like it didn't happen overnight but it definitely made me more extroverted and more able to uh, talk about like anything and just be like, cool, I can have conversations with you. I'm still an incredibly awkward human being. I absolutely am. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to pretend that. But it kind of meant that I didn't care as much. Like that I felt just, oh, I if I can dress up as this character all day and I feel amazing as them, why can't I do that every day? Um, I think it then fed into how I dress, the like Disney bounding element I talked about earlier. I would find pieces of clothing that made me feel like the characters I was dressing up as and I would wear them and there were some bad fashion choices made uh, along the way but it kind of got me to a point where I was like cool if I wear these types of clothes and I dress in this sort of way I feel more confident in myself I feel the way I feel when I'm in cosplay so yeah it definitely does make you more extroverted it does give you even if it doesn't actually make you more extroverted it gives you the tools to be extroverted does that make sense like you can be like cool I'm out there all day dressed as Batman Captain America Spider-Man Sailor Moon whatever Disney princesses and I interact with people and I'm in character so I can take that and use that at work on Monday when I've got that big presentation or I've got to hand in my dissertation at uni and I'm scared about it you know you can kind of take those elements forward I think I do get it. Um, it sounds like introverts like me should definitely do this more often, sort of moving outside the boundaries of normal society and just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
it's intensely freeing because firstly even if you're not physically wearing a mask you are you are wearing something that completely covers who you are like in any way so even if like you're like I know the amount of times where someone's come up to me at a con and be like hi how are you doing and I'm like I don't know who you are and I'm like I was dressed as this character last time I'm like oh right okay you look completely different now like physically I could not tell you were the same person um and uh, that kind of element of uh, being behind all of those layers of costume and masking yourself means that you can uh basically just be whoever you want and be a completely new person reinvent yourself you you don't have to be the person you are with everybody else you can be somebody else and I'm sure that has many layers of drawbacks and different things as well like you know nothing's perfect but uh, I think for introverts it's a very useful tool and a very useful and freeing experience to be able to go oh cool I don't feel like that today like I know when I put a costume on unless I'm having a very bad day I won't I will feel great I will be like this is awesome I am super happy um particularly my ridiculous golden suit because again this character is so perfect because he talks about how people don't look at your face they look at the furniture so they look at how your hair's done what you're wearing the way you've done your makeup the you know are, are you wearing a tie like things like that they don't necessarily take your face in so it's that kind of thing when you put the costume on you've put you just put different furniture on and so you look completely different to how you are the rest of the time like it's a great way to be it's <laughs> you can have a different life on weekends you know it strikes me that that probably is similar for many lifestyle choices and so forth but cosplaying might be one of the well, I was about to say least problematic but uh healthiest of them <laughs> I would say so. I mean, it again, like I said, it has drawbacks. There will always be nothing's perfect. Humans aren't perfect, so nothing we do will be. Um, and there'll be elements of it that actually will be like, oh my god, I can't believe I spend my weekends dressing up as fictional characters. How sad is that? My goodness. Um, but oh god, if it makes you happy, <laughs> just do it. Oh my goodness. If it means that you become more extroverted, or you make new friends, or you learn new skills oh just yeah you know there it's not unproblematic there are definitely issues I would say there is still a massive issue of racism within the cosplay community which needs to be tackled hugely (laughs) but it's a worldwide community how it's a very difficult thing to take on in one go um you know there is a problem where I say that yeah I can dress up and I can be anybody um because I have the luxury of being white there are a huge amount of characters at my disposal and uh, a lot of people of colour don't necessarily have those characters at their disposal because they don't exist. And when they cosplay as characters who are perceived as being white, they get a lot of very nasty feedback. I mean, the amount of times where I've seen my black friends' cosplays being called the N-word just casually is horrendous. <laughs> like horrendous uh and i think to say that cosplay is unproblematic is not necessarily fair 
because it's not there are problems there's like i said racism there's fat phobia like if you're above a size 10 in the uk uh people will call you fat and stuff like that and it's not great but do you think that comes from people in the community or uh, is it people looking on it from outside i think it's a mix i think pop cosplay has become very very popular in the last 10 years like with the internet and stuff things like instagram cosplayers have become celebrities almost online and they particularly a lot of them have a very perceived look a very cultivated look and that works for them and that's their business and all that kind of stuff so fine but it means that the people who are consuming the content they create and aren't necessarily cosplayers themselves believe that's what all cosplayers and all people who do this hobby should look like and act like and be like and so if they kind of perceive you as not being that you can be attacked for it and I think that definitely comes from people outside of the community but there are also people inside the community who have very similar ideas of like you should only cosplay characters you look like you should only cosplay as characters your body type is for you all that kind of thing and it's like my dude no you can hold yourself to that standard if you want to hold yourself to a standard where you only cosplay as characters that you think your body type and your your appearance fits fine you cannot put that on anyone else and that's not fair to do so um like i know that one of the characters i would love to cosplay most in the world and that's why i keep coming back to him is batman i love batman i think it would be great fun but i have encountered uh issues and comments and all this sort of stuff when i've cosplayed characters that are bigger builds and all that sort of stuff because i am a small five foot six human being (laughs) i'm not very big um and that's put me off because i'm like i love this character but my goodness the the things people have said to me or about people who look like me cosplaying as characters like that makes me scared to do so that's not fair that's not fair um and i would say i tend to do whatever i want but we live in a society and it does affect us you know when people make these comments i remember very distinctly once sitting with a friend at a convention and he and i don't think he meant to be mean at all i genuinely don't and i don't think he was trying to say something mean about someone but a guy walked past us dressed as batman and particularly i remember this one he was maybe my height he wasn't a big guy and he was obviously having a good day and my friend just turned to me and went oh look it's tiny batman isn't that so funny he's pocket sized you could put him in your pocket and it wasn't meant to be mean it was meant you know but it it kind of felt mean <laughs> like it was like oh oh that's what you you actually think that okay so yeah i think there is there is that element to it Hmm. So some dark rules even there. That's a I shame. So, yeah. We cannot escape a society. We exist within it. I think there are always going to be rules to whatever you do. And cosplay goes a long way to breaking them. Like it really does. But it it's not there yet. We're getting there. People are getting there. There's pushback. There's a massive, massive campaigns to around it you know, anti-bullying campaigns, all this sort of stuff, and people are doing their best. But like I said, it's a worldwide 
hobby community whatever you want to call it and you can't you can only do so much to get there you have to all actively work together it's going to take time it it would be lovely if we could fix it overnight it would be lovely if it all went away but there's only so much we can do within our bubble so you know Mm. we'll get there i'm hoping we'll get there i have belief (laughs) Well, that's where it all starts, really, isn't it? Uh, On that note, we are approaching the end of uh, our time. Um, If people are interested in seeing your cosplay outfits, what would be your Instagram, say? They can find me on, right, I have the most annoying Instagram to spell, Littlest Prince, which is L-I-L-I-S-T, Prince. So not little, but littlest. (laughs) prince <laughs> um and um you can also find everything i do and where we do actively do a lot of work to help make the cosplay community as best as it can like the best thing it can be and talk about all these problems uh, at the cosplay journal that is essentially why we made it so that we could delve into all the social issues and all that kind of stuff uh, and the cosplay journal is on instagram as well just at the cosplay journal because that's a sensible username um and our website as well is thecosplayjournal.com nice and easy and And your new podcast uh that's actually all under the cosplay journal banner so it's all you can find it on the website and you just go to cosplayjournal.com and then it just at the top in the nice little menu bar it says cos story and you click on that and they're all up on the website okay holly that was great um thanks a lot and um bye-bye And that was all for this week. And uh, if you'd like to follow um, the podcast, uh, it's Gomology Podcast on Instagram. Uh, You can also find a page with all the previous episodes on my blog, worldrestad.com, if you just look at uh, Gomology there. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's worldrestad. And um, if you want to get in touch, it's predictably worldrestad at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. If you'd uh, like to give us a rating or even a comment, that would be great and much appreciated. So see you again next week. Bye.